Green smoothies? Dry granola bars? Breakfast shouldn't be this bland. Enjoy a real, flavorful breakfast again with Smithfield bacon, sausage, and anytime favorites, ham. Smithfield hometown original bacon is made by bacon lovers for bacon lovers. Naturally hickory smoked, Smithfield bacon is full of rich and delicious flavor. Made with the highest quality cuts of hand-trimmed pork that are perfectly seasoned, Smithfield hometown original sausage links will have you drooling for breakfast. Stop hitting the snooze button. Make a breakfast worth waking for with Smithfield. For the love of meat. To learn how to make a meatier, tastier breakfast, check out smithfield.com. ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Today we caught up with Manny Andreessen. We get into Bosmo Opossum, Seven Rivalry, and a family outdoors. And apparently, my elk calling skills won't cut it in her home state of Oregon. So we're on with Maddie Andreessen. Maddie, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. So we'll jump right into it. Why don't you give us a little bit of background? Let us know who Maddie is. Um, we'll get in right into it. Talk about your outdoor life, the who, what, when, the value. And then the big topic for me is going to be as a sportswoman um, in the hunting world. So why don't you just take it away? All right. So I currently live in Salem, Oregon. I'm from Forest Grove, but um, moved to Salem to go to school and I'm actually finishing up getting my business degree. So I'll have my MBA in May. And I work in marketing at Wilco Farm Stores. Um, I've worked for Wilco for since 2015. I started out in their retail stores. So it's kind of like farm store and fits my lifestyle. And it's, it's good while I'm going to school. Um, 
But when I did my undergrad at Willamette, I also played basketball. Um, Fitness has not always been my passion. I actually, growing up, hated doing anything. (laughs) Any any activities, huh? (laughs) Yeah, well, I played sports. I played volleyball, basketball, softball, soccer growing up. So I was really active, but anything outside of that, or if it wasn't like weight training class or I wasn't forced to do it, I would not do it. Like my mom was a big runner and she would always like preach, Maddie, you should really run to get in shape for basketball. And I was like, no, I'll run during practice and not doing anything else. Um, and I don't think I really found that love for fitness until I was done playing basketball and it was actually like within my last year of playing when I started enjoying running and I would go to the gym and run before practice or after practice. And then I really started getting into lifting after um, my last year. But was that something to fill the void since you were used to being so busy with your team sports? Yeah, I think so. And I had realized that it made me feel better. And, um, when I really got into lifting, I used to think that like lifting was <laughs> typical girl thing to think that lifting was going to make you make Swole. you big. And <laughs> <laughs> I started lifting and I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm actually getting definition in my muscles and getting smaller. And I really like, when I started seeing changes, it just clicked for me. And I was like, okay, I love doing this. And, um, but yeah, it was my last year during my last season when I was like, you know what, if, if we don't even win any games, we're at least going to be able to outrun the other team. So I was like, I'm going to run as much as I can. And if other girls were running lines, I was running lines with them. And I kind of just, I don't know what it was, but it just clicked with me. So first off, congratulations, graduate in May. Um, So that means you and my daughter are right there so she's in school right now for psychology she's a soccer athlete and she's kind of going through the same woes i think a little bit going what am i going to do after this Uh so there's some commonality there for sure so i i hear you um so how does how does the fitness or how has the fitness played into um getting outdoors and spending time chasing elk chasing blacktails for you Yeah. So my family has always been big into hunting. I, for as long as I can remember, I would always go hunting with my dad when I was little. Um, and then when it got to the age when I could hunt on my own, I, we were always out in the woods. We're an outdoorsy family in general. Um, but I, I mean, I think it really clicks once you, once you get your first animal, you you get that, um, adrenaline rush and that you find that passion for it Um, never ending it oh yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) um but actually i i used to dread the long hikes the uphills the downhills like my dad is the the person that he's like okay we're gonna go to this next tree or this next ridge and when you get there like you know he's gonna be like okay we're gonna go to the next next ridge and it's like never ending And I used to dread that when I was younger. And I think that my passion for hunting really increased when I found that passion for fitness because I no longer 
dreaded those steep hills, the long walks. I found it as actually like, okay, I'm burning calories right now. Like I'm getting a workout in, I'm getting better while doing something I love. And so I think that's how they, they began to like grow both of those for me. Nice. So dad, is dad pushing you or is he like Maddie? Just come on, let's go. And Maddie's jumping right in. Yeah, no, he was like, Maddie, let's go. And I, I mean, I've always looked up to my dad and he's been a successful hunter. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to let him down. So I would always jump right in and never really let him see that. But I definitely dreaded those long hikes when I was younger. Yeah. Cause one of the things, right. That that's, that stands out to me is your age one, right. Um, Mm -hmm. you, you live in a, I guess it would be mixed, but school wise, it has to be pretty liberal. Um, so the pressures of people's thought process with hunting being your age, it seems like it'd be pretty easy to be strayed or pulled away from that. Do you find any pressures as a woman, um, hunting at your age and, and what you're doing? Um, actually not at all, but I'm very, um, I'm very strong in what I believe in and I don't let people really sway me. Or, I mean, I stick to my guns, basically. Like, my school is very liberal, but I'll go in, like, wearing a camo sweatshirt. They all know I hunt. There's hunting pictures on my laptop. Um, And I've never had any, like, negative feedback from people at school. But um, there's definitely some looks, and I know that they don't agree with the gun topics and... um, have very opposite political views. So I just, I don't really bring it up at school. Um, but outside of that, I'm very much the same person in every setting. So does that, when, when, and if that conversation comes up, you're handling it well, I assume just being raised that way. Yep. That's a a big deal. So you're able to hold a strong argument for us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Was it a big transition from high school into college? Did you see any big difference between then from people? Um, well, yes, because so growing up in Forest Grove, there was a lot of people that hunted and supported that. And I always felt like that was celebrated. And it was like, oh, Maddie, did you get anything this year? And um, Oh, so everybody was like my- in a group, you know, going at it and telling their stories then, huh? <laughs> Yeah. So it was, it was definitely supported. Um, yeah. At school, it's just not a topic that comes up now. Well, you got a lot of out of state folks as well, right? Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, it's not the people from the community. It's people from other, other communities, other, yeah. California. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. We probably sent them up there to you. (laughs) I mean, that's just, it's, it's just a stark contrast for, you know, down here because there's no one, zero. I mean, you're, you know, we're probably one in, I don't know what that ratio would be. It has to be pretty high though. Yeah. One in, I don't know, 5,000 maybe, maybe more than that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, we. I thought it was bad in Salem. <laughs> it's, it's really bad here. I don't know. That'd be a, a good number to figure out. Hmm. I mean, what our population of hunters actually is in yeah. California. It's, where, it's pretty low. Where do you find those records? So, um, so perception, so we are kind of on that topic, perception of women, women hunters, um, mm-hmm. 
when I reached out to you and want to talk, we feel like you represent yourself and the hunting community and your family, uh, in a way that is worthy, um, of a hunter, um, for the lack of a better word, we have, you know, the, and I, I might be using it wrong, but we have the whole huntress thing. Um, mm-hmm. and it drives me crazy. Right. I got, I don't really want to dive into social media, but I got 10,000 likes and I'm in the backyard shooting at a block target with a bikini on. Um, so, you know, trying to figure out where that is, as far as I'm concerned, or as far as we're concerned, a woman hunter is a hunter and not a, the huntress thing drives me crazy. So where does Maddie stand on that topic? Yeah. I mean, if you're a hunter, you're a hunter and I don't really think there needs to be a different term for a female hunter. Um, I think that the huntress thing came from, well, at least the way I see it is when I think of that word, I think of those girls on Instagram that are posting pictures to get more followers, get more likes And I've had people come at me with that, but I feel like my content is very far from being huntress. Um, I try to let people in on, on my hunts, my experiences, frustrations, basically what I'm doing without really, I mean, without being like the girly girl hunter, um, that's never been me. And so I'm not just on there posting pictures to get likes and, um, the whole female hunter thing. I'm, I'm so happy that more and more females are diving into the outdoor industry. And I think that's great. I just think that it's partly getting flooded with people that aren't really devoting themselves to hunting or bringing a good life to it that aren't getting out there and getting after it and really get, getting down and dirty with hunting. So with that being said, if you had someone uh, your age, just a little older um, or even younger that said, Hey, I'm, I'm looking to get into this. I have no idea where to start. What would you tell them? Um, I, I mean, I would love to mentor someone and, I give advice to girls all the time that are like, Hey, I'm looking into getting bow into bow hunting. What bows the best? What equipment's the best? Um, what camo gear do you use and where can I find it? And I'm always, um, willing to help those people out. It's just, um, I mean, there's a reason I don't hunt with any girls and that's just because I don't know that they would necessarily keep up or want to hunt as hard as I do. Um, at least that's, a, like, that's how I feel. I'm not, I know that there's girls in the area that hunt, but it's, yeah. It's going from dad's tree to dad's tree. That, that, yeah. Or that just going out issue. to take yeah. a photo. Yeah. So with that, you keep leading us right into it. It's awesome. Um, fitness, the approach, yes. your approach. Um, how are you training? How often are you training? Um, why don't you give us a little bit of that? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I've switched it up so many times within the like last couple of years, just because it's so hard to find what's right for you. And there's so many things out there and people that are like, Oh, if you do this, if you do this, blah, 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 this will work. But 
it's very individualized and what works for someone else might not work for you. Um, at least that's what I've found. And so right now I try to get in the gym five, at least five, six days a week. Um, sometimes I don't make it all those days, but I try to, and I, my training split is, I usually do two leg days a week, chest, back, shoulders, and arms. Sometimes I'll do like back and buys, chest and tries, mix it up a little bit. And then right now I'm doing 30 minutes on the Stairmaster five days a week. 30 minutes Stairmaster. So a lot of hypertrophy. (laughs) Yeah. So where does, so when do you start looking at the functionality, right? hypertrophy training is great it's going to build muscle um there's some cardio influence in it but where Mm -hmm. do you start looking at that transition from lifting heavy weight um and then to get functional and ready for the field how does that transition play out i don't actually transition i lift the same do the same thing um basically throughout the year um and I, I kind of just try to get in a general, um, get my body in a really healthy state and ready for the outdoors and mountains. Like the Stairmaster, I think works great. Um, I use it. <laughs> because you get the fatigue in your legs as well as you're getting cardio in. And I started doing the Stairmaster this last year and I noticed a huge difference in my endurance during elk season. Like it was night and day. Um, but I also will throw in some sprints in there and, um, really try to get my heart in shape just because when you're out in the woods, you're putting your heart, um, like in a more intense state anyways, hiking up hills, your adrenaline's rushing and you don't know if you might be walking along and have to like really get after it to go after a bull or, you know what I mean? So you're already testing your heart. And so you really want to be in the best shape you can be when you're headed out on a hunt. It sounds pretty straightforward. Do you switch it up at all? Yeah. So, um, I do switch it up. I mean, but it's not drastic right before season. I kind of just get, try to get in an overall, um, really fit state. And that kind of goes downhill during hunting season because you don't always have time to get in the gym or, um, I mean, you're spending a lot of your time out in the field, but that's, I mean, you're still getting that workout and you might lose a little weight, (laughs) but you're still, you're still getting after it. Yeah. I have that issue. I I'll go hard, hard, hard. And then through season, it just slumps bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You tank. Well, you don't want to, for me, I don't want to spend, I don't want to spend the energy through the week. Uh, You know, we're going out, we're weekend warriors. So we're going out leaving Friday night and then hunting all the way through Saturday or excuse me, Sunday evening. And I'm trying Mm -hmm. not to, to burn myself on that. It's probably a wrong approach though. Cause now I got some, I got some losing to do again. (laughs) Well, that's the thing too. You also, especially with bow hunting, I mean, it's not as big of a deal if you're rifle hunting, but you fatigue your muscles. And if you're having to draw back on an animal and hold for a really long time, I mean, I really try to avoid lifting anything upper, upper body several days prior to a hunt. 
Yeah, we know about long draws. <laughs> I did. What was it? It was like a, a minute and 45 seconds on my elk in Wyoming. Oh, my yeah, gosh. I was trembling, trembling. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was good. I avoid it. <laughs> um, so why don't we talk about this last season? How did your 2018 season go? Uh, I know you're out there with your with your father, your brother uh, and then Tyler. And he seems to be laying mm -hmm. it down pretty good. We were checking him out, too. <laughs> yeah, he's he's always getting after it. So, but yeah, let's talk about 2018. What did you start with? How'd it go? How'd it end? Um, 2018 was frustrating. I would say I learned so much. I learned so much every single season. And after the season's over, you're like, okay, I know what I would do next year. But then you get in that a different situation and you're like, okay, I wasn't prepared for this one either. I feel like it's like, it's nonstop learning. Um, but this year we had a couple cams out in central Oregon and for deer, I hunted deer opening weekend with my dad and none of the bucks that were on our cam showed themselves. So, but that was, I mean, that was whatever. I was just waiting for the, the elk rut to pick up. And, uh, I usually hunt opening weekend of archery season. Um, I hunt deer and then the rest of the season I'll devote to elk and then I'll go back and hunt late season blacktail. When does your archery um, season start up there? It starts end of August, beginning of September. Oh, it's not too far. It's usually August. the very last, very last weekend in August. Okay. Yeah, it's not it's too around far. around our deer. Yeah, it's about when, when our deer... Well, no, rifle. Rifle deer, right? Because A-Zone starts in... Late. June. Yeah. Yeah, we're hunting in Late June. June. 116 oh degrees. My God. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it's <laughs> crazy. It's yeah, 100, 116 degrees. No no shade. Yeah, that's bad. Okay, sorry. Sorry for that little tangent. Um, so the rest of the season, opening weekend was a bust, but I, I didn't have high hopes for it anyways. Um, it's just to get out in the woods before the elk rut hits. And then I took off a week from work to go over and hunt in Eastern Oregon with my dad, my brother for elk. Um, Tyler was, his dad actually drew the Winnaha hunt, which is, it takes like 18, 20 points to draw. So he was over there helping his dad for the whole month, um, trying to get him, get him a bull. So it was just my brother, my dad and I, and we were over there for a week and we found that the season was really dry. Like, we, there wasn't much, many bulls talking opening or the first morning we were over there, we got one bull to bugle, but I think a lot of the bulls that we were getting to talk were on the move and cause it was early morning. And so they weren't really interested in like messing around at that time. And we found that with, we didn't get a lot of cold weather or a lot of rain this year. So with the season being dry, the rut started late. And so we were really early for where we went when the rut normally is. And we were really early this year. Um, but we were still able to, I mean, we talked to, talked with some bulls and it was just, we, we ended up getting really frustrated. Um, but we were hunting together. And so I was like, Hey, why don't we all split up and cover more ground? See if we can, get something to talk. So we were, this was probably the third day we were there. And, um, 
I had hiked out a couple miles up to the top of this ridge and it was like eight, eight thirty in the morning and I ripped off a bugle, nothing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try it again. I, I ripped off two more bugles and I hear a chuckle down in this drainage. And so then I give him a chuckle back and I get a little more. So then I start creeping my way down this hillside and he keeps talking, but he's like not giving me very much. And I get down in the bottom and there's an old skid road and then it starts back up the other side and I rip off another bugle and he's silent. So I'm like, okay. So I back out, go back to camp, meet the boys. And we decide to go back in there that afternoon. Well, this bull was fired up. Like, I have never heard a bull scream so loud. And he was growling. And uh, it was crazy. It was a super cool experience. That's, yeah, um, those are amazing. Oh, it gave me the chills when you were saying it. <laughs> <laughs> but we worked our way down in there into the bottom. Um, and he didn't start bugling. We, sat, we got up there about probably about three in the afternoon and he didn't start talking to us about until about five thirty, and so we work our way down in there me and my dad um I bugled us down into the bottom my brother stayed up on the ridge behind us and he was talking too and this bull was just going off well he led us all the way down into this drainage where he had a fresh wallow he had been bedded all over in there and so we were basically in his bedding area. And then right above that was some really thick reprod, like really thick. <laughs> I have never seen such thick reprod. Like this bull, he must have been old because he was growling like crazy and he was really smart. Keeping his distance, huh? Yeah, he you could hear him pacing back and forth up there, but he was below a big rock face and then probably a hundred yards up into this reprod. And it was probably seven, eight feet, nine feet tall. And just, you know, when you get into that like lodgepole stuff and it's just stacked with thick, thick reprod, it was it was crazy. But anyways, we sat down there, bugled, raked. We were like hitting in his wallow. We, we tried to back up and get more distance to see if he'd come down. Um, cow called. He was just going off, but he would not budge towards us. And um, at one point I tried to go in on him, but I mean, you go in, you, I had my arrow knocked and you go in and it's like, okay, my broadhead's getting stuck on everything. I can't even move through this stuff. And then, so it's like, okay, do we come back tomorrow or do I try to like sneak in on him and then hope that I'm able to knock an arrow and draw once I get in there or what? And so we decided that we would come back the next day. So I sprayed um, the cow estrus all over his all over his bedding and made it seem like there was actual elk there. And, uh, we came back in the next morning, nothing. And so I was like, okay, well he was fired up in the afternoon. So we'll come back in the afternoon. So we went into town, got some rice and whatnot, came back the afternoon and we had been hiking in each time. It was five miles 
and there was an old skid road in the bottom and we figured out that, that old skid road we could ride ride the four-wheelers up and walk the skid road and it would be a lot quicker and so we decided to do that that afternoon and see if we could get back on him well when we went in there we parked the four-wheeler at the bottom of the trail because we wanted to walk up so that if anything was on the way up like we wouldn't spook it out and so we get up there and we're about to like get into a spot where we can sit and wait um, till it got a little later in the afternoon and we hear four wheelers. Well, on our way up, so each year we go up there, there's these um, tree stand hunters. Well, this year we hadn't seen them except for when we drove up the road, they had just pulled in and they were literally unpacking their truck. They were in regular clothes, unpacking their truck. And so we drove up the road, whatever we got in there, and then we hear four-wheelers. Like, I'm not kidding you. 10, 10, 15 minutes later, we hear four-wheelers. And so we're kind of waiting, waiting, waiting. And the four-wheelers drive all the way past our parked four-wheeler, all the way up the trail. And there's three four-wheelers and four people. Ugh. And so my dad's like, what the heck? So we go and knowing my dad, I was not going to let him go confront these people. (laughs) You're blowing our spot. (laughs) So my brother stays back and then my dad and I go out there and we're maybe 20 feet from these people in the trees. And we're just like watching them, seeing what they're doing and they didn't see us. And so we finally, we step out and my dad's like, uh, Hey, what are you guys doing? And, um, it was, it was the people that we had just passed that were unpacking their truck and they had thrown camo on and this guy like walks around the four wheeler and he was like, Oh, you know, this is our spot. We have tree stands in here every single year, blah, blah, blah. Oof, public land and, argument. Oh man. Yes. And, um, he, it got to the point where he was like three feet from us and he was messing with the clip on his holster. And I'm like, oh. uh, my dad, so my dad had to call him on it. And it's like this big thing when we were up there first. And he was like, he basically said, we hunt here every year. We're going to hunt in here, regardless of whether you're here. We're hanging three tree stands in here. We have one on this wallow, one on this wallow, one on this wallow. And we'll be here every single day for the rest of the season. Yeah. That's, and we were like, that's unfortunate. Okay. That's a rough one. Right. I mean, that, I don't know that you seem to. Our community is so small at large that you think that people would respect the fact that, you know, hey, they're here. They're here at least they're here first. Right. They're here in front of us. Um, yeah, that's that's unfortunate. I, I don't like hearing stuff like that. But I mean, that's kind of the public land thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, that's the thing. It was. I grew up with my dad teaching us very um, strong hunter ethics like regardless of how often you hunt a spot or whether you've been in there the last three days, if someone beats you there before light, or if someone's already parked there, like you don't hunt there. Not only like can that turn into, um, an unsafe situation, you know, you don't know where they're at and you don't know if the animals between you and them, but that's just hunter ethics. And you don't know if you're, messing with something they have going or you're pushing animals out of their area whatever it's just 
it's hunter ethics to, to let them have the spot if they're there first, which I get can be extremely, extremely frustrating. Like I ran into that situation before where I even have trail cams in a spot or I've been putting um, apples out for blackmail on a spot and someone's there and I'm like, oh, great. Someone's on my spot. <laughs> but it's just, there was no talking them out of hunting in that area. And um, it was frustrating because we had located that bull in there the day before, had him all fired up. We were, we were going to be leaving in two days anyways. Like it's not like they couldn't hunt it for the rest of the season, you know? Um, so it, that kind of, I think it shouldn't have really disappointed us so much and t- turned the the season downhill, but I think it really, it got to us. Like how it was it really not? frustrating. Yeah. How could yeah. It not? Um, because that was the one area we had found success that season and yeah, it was, it was very frustrating. And so we hunted hard the next two, three days we were there, but it was the same thing. Like we would get a bugle back in the morning or when they were on their move, but nothing really that wanted to talk. So, so are you guys using bugles to locate and then switch to cow calling? Are you, what's your, what's your go-to on that? It kind of depends. Um, I like to, I guess I like to feel it out. I usually always start off with a bugle. Um, and if they're, if they're firing back to a bugle, I'll just keep going with that. Sometimes if I bugle and I can't get them to talk back or they'll just give me a little bit, then I'll switch to a cow call. Um, there's been times where I'll bugle, get a response, and then they just like drop off the face of the earth. And then as soon as I cow call, I'll get a bugle back. So I'm like, okay. So then I stick with the cow call and kind of just feel it out. Um, but yeah, it kind of depends. I usually always start with the bugle though. So how close are you to your diaphragm and your bugle right now? Um, not close at all. It's actually not here. Dang I'm it. at my parents' house. <laughs> oh, we were going to put you on the spot. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I sound like a dead animal when I'm bugling okay, at this I'm, point. I'm going to admit, like, I feel like I'm not that bad for like, I don't know. I feel like girls don't usually bugle, but I'm the girl that's like, like poor Tyler. He like really puts up with me because I'm like, okay, I want all my own gear. I want all my own stuff because I, I like you go on my hunt with me because I want you there, like not because I need you. That, but see that, <laughs> and that brings me back to the hunter versus huntress thing, sort of, right? I mean, you're a hunter. That's you're out mm-hmm. there for the entire experience. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's. And I mean, important. he's great to have there. I I love having him hunt with me. And when we're together, he is usually the one bugling. But um, I've worked really hard to get my bugle to not sound bad and not sound like a lot of the other I don't even think I can do it. that I hear on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's some bad ones. I'm I'm not horrible, but I'm by no stretch of the imagination great with it. So last year was my first elk hunt. Tony has yet to go on when we hunt. I'm waiting. Mule deer, blacktail and pigs here, so to get an elk mm-hmm. tag here in California is like I'm going to say it's at least 15 15 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean it's it's insane. So it's, it's all out of state, um, for us when, when it comes to elk. So actually we're probably going to be in Oregon next year, um, trying to do some elk up there and see, and see oh, yeah. how that is. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. So we're hoping, um, so 
perception of women hunters. Mm-hmm. Give us your take on that. What overall, you know, you, I guess it depends on who you ask, but you see women out there and Tyler's like, Hey, I'll bugle for you. And you're like, no, I'm doing this on my own. How does that play into that hunt? Does it drive you more because you want to change that perception? Um, or do you not even see any difference there? Oh, it definitely drives me more. I, I don't think that like being a female in the hunting like industry, I don't see myself being any different from like the next guy that's out there hunting or bugling. And sometimes I'm like, wow, that guy can't bugle, but I can. Or like when it's me and my dad or, or me and my brother, I'm the one bugling. Um, and so I was, I don't, I don't want to be treated any different than any of the guys in the hunting industry. Um, I can pack animals out. I can gut animals, skin animals, like I can, I can do all the same stuff. So yeah. Any sibling just, rivalry? Which oh, brother? Yeah. There, there is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're um he is eighteen months younger than me. We've always been super, super close and we still are. Um, but there's there's definitely a sibling rivalry. We are very supportive of each other, but we do compete. <laughs> and um he actually he shot a really nice blacktail this year and uh Last year, he had been um, putting apples out for blacktails, and he had cams on them all year. And he had several different bucks in there. He had a herd of elk, and <laughs> poor guy. He his season ended, and he had had this really nice four point coming in at night, but hadn't seen it in the daylight. And so after his season ends, it was like the weekend after, and he calls me and he was like, he came Hey, Maddie, <laughs> Blacktail was out in the daylight today. And oh. I, and he got a picture of it, a picture of it. And so we went up there the next day and he was out in the field chasing some does. <laughs> so, I mean, we definitely will, we help each other out, but when we are hunting the same season together. It's, it's definitely a competition. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt the pressure of this, like this last elk season, it's kind of hard because it was, so it was my dad, my brother and I, and my dad's like, you know, I'm happy for either of you to get an elk. Like I'll be the last shooter. You guys get your animals first, whatnot. But then it's like, okay, between me and Wyatt, who's shooting? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I locate the bull then I'm shooter. And then we also went like switching off between days. So on that bowl that we located, I located him one day and then we were back on him the next. And my brother's like, so it's my turn. Cause it's the next day. And I'm like, no, I located him. I'm like, this is my bowl. So it, it, it is like, we support each other, but it's definitely when you, I mean, you have, the motivation to you want to get your own tag fill your own tag first i mean regardless of how happy i would be for my brother to get an animal when we both have the same tag we both have the motive to fill our tag first right of course and so so when we're going after a bull it's like okay you sit back and call i'm going to go in and he's like no you sit back and call I'm gonna go in. And so i can only picture that you know, it's, it's tough, but um, we make it work. So, so if he has a diaphragm and a bugle, 
and you do, who's calling better? Who am I chasing in? Who am I running after? Who's fooling me? Definitely me. Oh. <laughs> Game on, Wyatt. <laughs> nice. So uh, projects, anything you got uh, going on? Um, not right now. We actually, this year, it was our goal to film our hunts. And um, so we filmed my late season blacktail hunt. And... Um, but that was unsuccessful. So it's like, okay, so we have all this film, but now, now that I didn't kill anything, what do we do with it? Well, that, but, but that's important, right? I mean, I think that that, is. that tells the whole story. So it goes back to earlier when we're talking about, you know, the perception or other mm-hmm. women wanting to get into hunting and how you shed light on that. that. That'd be a huge, that'd be a huge deal to say, Hey, here's, here's my entire season you know, and we say unsuccessful, right? But is, is a hunt really unsuccessful if you're taken away from it? So one of the things I started doing this season, and this is the first time I've ever done it, is I would do journal entries, either while I'm sitting on the mountain glass in, or when I get back to camp, um, making the drive home, I'm, you know, jotting stuff down. Hey, what did I do this? What did I do that? You know, those lessons. So that that's huge. We're going to, we're going to hold you to that one. We want to see the film. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I'm very outcome driven, which, um, aren't we all, I mean, can, can harm and hurt me because I'm like, okay, I had an unsuccessful season. Yes. I learned so much, but I also like didn't fill my tag, you know? And so you have to find the fine line between, between the two. And I definitely, I take away something new from each season and I, I truly enjoy being out there. I would be out there whether I had a tag or not. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's good for people to show what they do all season because I was out there every weekend. I was out there before and after school. I mean, Mondays and Wednesdays, I had an early morning class and then a class from six to nine at night. And I was out there in the middle of the day and so, yeah, I, I mean, that's a very good point that people should see that stuff. And I mean, people see all of the big animals and successful hunts on Instagram. And I almost think that that's misleading because oh, yeah, it is. most people don't kill something every year. Yep. And, and people need to understand that. And it's a lot of hard work, a lot of money, um, a lot of time and effort put into a season and you come out with, without an animal. Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing. And that's something that the anti hunters don't realize. I think. Yeah, um, for sure. Right. It's think- walk in the woods, shoot whatever you want, waste half of it, you know, and go home. Yeah. That's the thing. And it's not like that at all. And I, I've, I've definitely tried to push that and be like, you know, hunting isn't killing. I don't kill something just to kill it. I don't kill the first thing I see unless it's, unless it's a big buck or a big bull. Um, and we definitely, we put in the work and we put in the money to keep the animals healthy. And it's, we don't kill animals because we hate them. Like we kill animals because we want to see the populations thrive. Like we want this to continue on and it's it's to put healthy organic meat on our family's tables like we know where our food comes from and there's nothing better than cutting that elk steak or cutting that that backstrap oh 
Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Back back to the 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 videoing. Is that Tyler's doing the whole video for you or? Well, that- he videoed some like clips in between. So um, we have like videos of checking trail cams and um, like on the drive up to a hunt, just like going over what we've been doing, what we're doing. Um, like the other day we were um, before the season ended, I was driving down to one of our late season spots and he had the camera rolling and was like, Hey, just explain like what we're going to do. And so I was like, well, We've had a buck on the cam consistently, decent buck. He's been in there the last couple of days, haven't seen him um, down there, but he was, he was actually in the neighbor's, in the neighbor's fields, um, which we don't have permission to hunt, but it was just like going over what, what we were doing and why we're doing it. And um, so just like little little clips like that it's not a whole I, we didn't video the whole season but there's a bunch of little little clips we I, again we totally expect to see that i mean i that's hugely important to that whole backing you know back in it you guys could put something together that'd be awesome there yeah that's now that you say that i'll definitely make sure we do something with it <laughs> now would that be so you you and tyler and, and correct me if i'm wrong you guys have your own uh, brand, if you will, true terrain. Yes, Is that we where do. We could expect to see that. Um, yes, I need to be better about running that site. It's kind of um, dropped off my radar since being in business school um, and working full time. Um, but yes, I I've made that a goal to get that back up because I know people really like seeing the stuff we do together and, and you don't like, we're probably one of the biggest, uh, I mean, hunting couples in the Salem area. And so I know that people really like seeing that and when they can relate to you and relate to me as a female hunter, I think that that's why they like it rather than just seeing stuff on our individual pages. And that's, that's a pretty big deal too. I mean, for the, for the future of hunting, right? You guys are in your early twenties. You're the next generation um, of hunters, Mm -hmm. all the baby boomers. And then, you know, the generation X guys like me, um, (laughs) we're getting old. (laughs) That's scary to say, but you guys are the, you know, you're the future of it. So you are the ones that are going to pass it down to the next generation, um, yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And then you guys share such a passion for it. And it's obvious, even just seeing it over social media, it's obvious that there's a huge passion, um, between yeah. the two of you with it. That'd, that'd be awesome to see. Yeah. Definitely be awesome yeah. to see more of that. Yeah. I think that was probably the best part because I met Tyler almost three years ago and I had that passion for hunting. Like, it's not like I met him and, decided like oh he loves to do this so I'm gonna do it too we we had both had that passion before we met and so it really grew together um when we um started dating and it's I mean it's been going really good ever since it's nice to like I think it's probably nice he tries to do a lot of things and I'm like no I got it like I can get all my own stuff um but it's really nice having him out there with me and we both get after it just as hard. We want it just as bad. We think a lot alike in terms of going after animals and strategy. So it, it really works. Any rivalry there? 
Um, don't don't hold back. (laughs) There is. Um, We haven't. Well, we learned just from like coyote hunting and whatnot. We learned that shooting on the count of three does not work. Um, um, Obviously, like we wouldn't do that at a big game animal. But um, yeah, we haven't really ran into the situation where it's like, okay, which one of us goes after this one? It's pretty... um, distinctive when we actually do um usually he'll call a bull in and I'm like okay that's yours there's no argument or he's like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna get this one for you and um so we're pretty good about taking turns um there's definitely obviously always competition I'm an extremely competitive person um college so athlete. I'm, always, <laughs> I'm always looking to fill my tag first but um yeah, actually this year he had, he drew a rifle tag for deer and it was so nice to go on a hunt and not have a tag and just, just be there and Is help there him. Yeah. And I actually spotted the deer he shot. So <laughs> ah, there it is right there. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna go back to it. Bugle and diaphragm. Who's, who's yes. making me run in Tyler or you? Tyler for sure. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. He's really good. He's, he like was the one that first started teaching me. Um, and now I just work on it all the time, but yeah, it's gotten, my bugle has improved significantly from last year. Um, but yeah, he's still got me beat. Good. All right. That's a honest answer. Good job, Tyler. (laughs) We're pulling for him on that one. We were, we were uh, looking at his Instagram going, "Ah, we're thinking that you're laying everything down and, you know, Mm -hmm. he's like, yeah, Tyler's laying it down too. He's putting in work. He's actually laying stuff down too. Honestly though, do I really want to bugle better than my boyfriend? Like I, I do, but at the same time, what does that really make him? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, that that does hurt a little bit. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm going to jump way far in left right here because it's it's driving me crazy. You got to talk to me about the possum. So you guys have a pet possum, which... (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry, but it, it's a big rat to me, <laughs> and it has its own so, little house. And you had posted a picture, and Dad's sitting on the the fireplace mantle, <laughs> stroking the possum like it's a little dog or cat. And I'm going, wow, that's a freaking possum. Where'd the possum so, come from? <laughs> it's actually my brother's girlfriend's possum, and it's funny because I had a possum my freshman year of college, and I found it when I was running with my mom, and it's the possum's mom had gotten hit by a car and there was two baby possums sitting on top of the mom on the side of the road. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, mom, we got to run back. So we run back to the house, we get the car and we come and I could only catch one of them. And so I took it to school with me and I actually, they're so smart. You can potty train them. So I potty trained it to go um, to the bathroom in I our can litter only box. Imagine that. <laughs> but, That's a trip. So I anyway, never know. Anyways, my mom would not allow me to keep it. But um, so now my brother's girlfriend has one and she got it from, I guess, a lady she knows on Facebook. Um, Her dog brought it in and the possum was so tiny. It like its ears weren't formed. It couldn't open its eyes. It had no fur like it was just born. And so Erica took it, Erica, my brother's girlfriend, 
and she woke up every two hours to bottle feed it. She had, this thing is her baby and it, it does not know how lucky it is. Um, she meal preps for it and like feeds it fresh food and it is potty trained. What's the name? And her name is Blossom. Blossom the Opossum. <laughs> Blossom the Opossum. <laughs> But yeah, she's basically a, a weird cat. <laughs> but yeah, imagine she, waking up to that. What? <laughs> Did you see the pictures she's, of it? Uh. Uh-uh. You gotta just open that up and look at the pictures of the possum. Mm-hmm. It freaks me out. I'm telling you, I look at a possum. She loves I'm, to cuddle, and she's actually super clean. Yeah, that that's. I'm a hard one to convince on that thing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm scrolling it's right now, looking at it. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's, it has a, it's, a, its own little soft house, and mm-hmm. she's very spoiled. That's yeah. I, I would have never known. Like I would never thought that. Hey, I'm gonna grab this possum, and I'm gonna. <laughs> you got you got the cat and the opossum. That's great. I'm gonna raise this possum, and I guess beauty is in the eye of the beholder for sure. On that, that one. is true. Yeah. <laughs> Whose kitten is cuter? That's great. <laughs> Yeah, I had to, I had to know about the possum. So, uh, so we talked about true terrain, um, mm-hmm. and you have so you're a first form legionnaire. Yep. Um, so we kind of that that's kind of how we met, sort of on Instagram, mm-hmm. right? Was through that through the f- whole yeah. first form thing. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I absolutely love first form. And that's not just because I'm a first form legionnaire. Like, even if I wasn't affiliated at all with the company, I would still buy the products. Um, just because I've seen a huge difference in using high quality supplements versus just going to GNC and grabbing the cheapest one. I mean, being in college and um, not having, I mean, I have a full time job, but I like cram it into three days a week. So not being able to work full hours. Um, I don't always have the money to, or I didn't think I had the money to buy expensive supplements, but when you really like put your health first and invest in yourself, like I've noticed huge difference with first form and it's a, it's more than just, a supplement company, I feel like part of the family and like, especially with meeting you and, um, like as a fellow hunter, that's, I think that's so awesome. And especially since first form stands behind our second amendment, they support hunters and gun rights and all of the stuff that I stand for. And so that's where I really see the connection with them. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that at some point they would get into that whole, that whole market. Um, and I'm sure that there's reasons that, you know, with, with all the anti hunting sentiment and everything, I'm sure as a business decision, uh, and I'm speaking, you know, just for me here in my opinion of it, not for them, um, Mm -hmm. that that has to be something that they consider when they're looking at that, right. We're such a small group of the population. Yeah. I mean, they, I don't see them specifically making the tie between fitness and hunting, but it's really worked for me. And, um, obviously there's, there's hunters that are also part of the first form family. And, um, but that's, that's just not a thing that they specifically target. As far as supplements go, I mean, they, they are phenomenal. Oh yeah. We, we both use it. Yes. Yeah, so I, all three I, of us right here. I got, I got megawatt 
right now just flowing through me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I will ever switch. Like I don't, I really don't think I can ever go away from them. Yeah. I just, I love their supplements. Yeah. It's amazing. I just, I like the message too overall. Yeah. Like you said, me too. you know, the, the whole family atmosphere, I, I think, you know, people would look at them and go, Oh, whatever. But no, I think once you're involved in it, it's a big deal. Yeah. And then you have uh kudu broadheads, right? So you're a, uh, yep. field staff for them. Yes. How they work for I, you. I love them. I, they fly just like my field points, which is what I love. So I used to shoot muzzies. Um, I actually shot my first bolt with, uh, four blade muzzies, but I always found that with any other broadhead, I would have to redial in my bow once switching to broadheads for the season. And I, I mean, I still go and dial it in and make sure I'm on, but it's, it's not near the movement that I was making with other broadheads. They, the kudos fly, fly just as straight as my field points. And I love that. Yeah. It's a big deal. What bow are you shooting? Yeah. Um, I have the quest amp by G five poundage. I pull back 55. Oh, nice. Good. So the future, lady hunters out there there you go <laughs> 55 pounds you trying to are, are you ever think about increasing that weight or is that weight working for your elk and your deer and no reason to change that weight's, yeah that weight's working um i only shoot out to 60 yards so that's working for what i want to do um i don't really see any reason to increase it at this point at least but who knows that's, i might down the road that's a good shot 60 yards that's the same as yeah. me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm at 60, 60 yards. Yeah, there you go. So you're beating them on the bugle, and you're right there with them on the bow <laughs> range. <laughs> um, so people would say 40 yards is the max on an ethical shot. What's your response? I would have to disagree. Um, I think it's all in what you practice because, I, I mean, it's what you're comfortable with, I guess. I know people that will pass up um, anything that's not within 40 yards. But I shot my first bull and it was my first archery kill at 53 yards and I double lunged him. And I think if you're confident in the shot that you're making an ethical shot. Um, but you, all, you, you have to know, you have to know your boundaries. You have to know what's between you and your target. I mean, it's all based on the situation. Um, 60 yards with some sticks in the way isn't an ethical shot, but 60 yards with a clear shot is an ethical shot. Right. And I think some of that 40 yard conversation too plays back on older technology. I think it's something that's just kind of stuck around, but I mean, you look at some of these bows and they're delivering, you know, speeds over 300. Um, yeah. you know, that 60 yards is, I think as well with inside the, the capabilities of this new tech. Oh yeah. Big yeah, time. I don't know that I would go much further than that, but um, I'm very comfortable shooting 60 and within. Good. Yeah, my first shot was 65, 65 yards on a deer just just this past season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Tony just yeah, I mean, laid down his first big game animal. What was that? It seems like a month ago now. Yeah, it seems like yesterday. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Just, just got back into the hunting world. 
He was out there young, but it didn't stick. And then his uh, attention span for it. But I think now uh, he's he's found now, his now, now found solid. his love. Yeah, he's stuck. Yeah, that's awesome. He's stuck. He's trying to catch up to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, let's see if he could pass me. All right, let's do this elk. Let's do. Let's do go. Elk, do elk. I got. You know what we should do is put you on one of these diaphragms, and I got two bugle tubes right here. Oh gosh! Oh yeah, let's do it. Let's do this. Okay, I'm gonna pull away from the mic. I'm gonna grab a diaphragm and a bugle, and let's get Maddie laughing. Hold on one second. Oh god! (gasps) Oh man! There you go. Hmm. Give me that thing. There you go. What what did I give you? What is it? What is it? Baseball bat. So, so I just gave him a a Phelps uh, born and raised outdoors diaphragm, and then I got mm-hmm. the new I got the new unrivaled bugle. So he has a small one. So here we go. This is his. Let's see if Maddie can give you some pointers. I got to turn around so I can watch this you one. Put the red up or down? Ah, <laughs> the red goes oh down. Oh my god! And flip it around. He has it in his mouth backwards. <laughs> There you go. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. He can't even. <laughs> Sound like he has asthma. All right, that's enough Oh, my God. That. I might have to have my brother get me a bugle right now. <laughs> okay, yeah. Get Wyatt, get Wyatt to grab you a diaphragm and a bugle. Oh, gosh. Hang on. Let's see. Oh, that's a little bit better. <laughs> I've never done, never, never done this before. <laughs> I don't even. You gotta use a little tongue pressure on that on the latex. <laughs> huh? Push up harder on the latex. <laughs> Ow! That hurt. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know if you can even come up with enough pointers to get that one going. <laughs> some, some YouTube in his future, Elk 101. Oh my gosh, yes. Look up the bugler. <laughs> yeah, oh actually, did you see that? That uh, that Jason Phelps and Dirk Durham are doing yeah. that instructional. I was stoked on that. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Yeah, this is your turn now. Yeah, and I know Born and Raised came out with one last year um, that I listened to that was good as well. <laughs> So are you, what uh, diaphragms are you using? What bugle? I use the Phelps Signature. Nice. The pink one. Oh, okay. You got pink because... It's my favorite. Pink because it's a girl color? No. Oh. <laughs> oh, pink's not even like my favorite color, but that one I found worked the best for me. And there's, I can't, the gray one. I really like the gray one yeah, also. You know what? I didn't have bad, bad... Uh, time with the gray one but i really fell in love with the black born and raised outdoors and then the uh the maverick the maverick's my absolute oh, yeah. favorite i'll have to try that one. Oh my god because i i um this year i got the signature one and i was like okay i'm never switching but i'm also like one of those people that once i find something i'll never deviate from it that's, but i yeah. should really try some other ones yeah that's the, i'm the same way but then they you know he has the the new line, the pitch black. I guess there's three. I, I'm thinking that there's three stiffnesses of latex there um, mm-hmm. on those, but I want to try those out. I was stuck on these on these two, and I have a stack of them sitting right here, but I just want to give those a whirl and see how they do. That's pretty good. 
Oh. I've definitely found that Phelps is the way to go, though. I, I like the diaphragms. And, I you know, I, I didn't really it. try anything else. I was like, oh, let me just jump on it. And I think part of that was, you know, it's he's just a guy by himself building diaphragms. I thought that was cool. I love that kind of well, stuff. And I, I mean, I hadn't watched much of anything he had. I followed him on Instagram and whatnot like a couple of years ago. But after seeing him on Born and Raised this year, I was like, okay, he's a regular guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, then it worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, some YouTube in his future. We'll probably be doing that after. Oh, it's okay. Everybody starts out like that. Oh, yeah. So. Part of my training. Yeah. Well, next year he, we put in for Colorado. And then, uh, like I said, we're looking at Oregon. I have a thing. I have to go back to Wyoming <laughs> this year. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I don't know. Um, it's hard being in school because I can't really take enough time off to put in for any, any big hunts. So right now I'm just saving up points. And then this year with graduating, I'm not really sure where I'll be at with a job or what job I'll, I'll be in. So, or how much time I'll have off. So I'll probably hold off again this year and just hunt general season. But the, the thing is like general season for Oregon is pretty dang good. And so um, it's not a bad option if, if I'm just hunting locally or can only take four days off or whatever, but, um, I'm, I'm excited to, once I get in a, a solid job and can use some of those points I've been saving and go on some really good hunts. So what's, is that, uh, what area was that? Everybody, when I was up in Oregon last year for the, uh, Northwest mountain challenge, everybody was telling me that I think that's William Willamette was like the yeah is a really good area for elk but hard to get into um well it's hard because so that's where i shot my buck last year i had a willow tag but the thing is is it's like 97 percent um private property so wow. yeah so usually like the willamette tag i had last year was technically a hair tag um so you could shoot a doe or a buck but um yeah, there's there's some elk in the Willamette Valley. Um, the high cascades are good, and then the coast range is really good for rosies if you can get them to talk. They're hunting rosies is I I love it, and I really want to be successful at it. But it is a lot different than hunting rockies. Yeah, that's what I heard. It's uh, they don't talk as much, and it's super mm -mm. thick, hard to get yeah. in on them. They, it it really is. I mean, um, we had a few bulls talk, but just can't get them to come in. I don't know what it is, but then you see, then you see born and raised and they like have bulls come in like no other. So I'm like, okay, am I just not locating the right bulls? Like, I think I just need to go bugle, bugle, bugle until I find a bull that is ready to like come mess around. I wonder if a lot of that is, is the time spent scouting and, and learning the area too. So if you're on a limited time frame, um, that might yeah. make it difficult. Cause that's one of the issues the we thing. have, right. Is, is we're, we're looking at elk out of state because California is virtually impossible. We don't get to mm -hmm. scout. So it's, you know, we're online looking at, you know, where we can get in. And, um, what I got on was that what I really like is the go hunt insider. And that's helped me kind of narrow my pickings down, you know, and crossing yeah. our fingers there. But I think that yeah. has a lot to do with the time you're able to spend scouting. And those guys are probably just, I think they're just next level when it comes to elk hunting too, though. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree. They're, they cover a lot of ground too. Um, they're always moving. I know that they like, they call it the cat road shuffle, but they're, they're going until they get a bowl that they think is, is ready to come, come in. But yeah, it's all, it's all learning. It's all game. It's, it's a constant challenge. <laughs> so. There's nothing like it though. I, in all my years of hunting, there's nothing like that, that bugle or seeing those elk move. They're so big and to watch them move through some of that thick is just phenomenal. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's amazing because, um, this past season in over East, you, he- I would hear squirrels and always think it's an elk. And that's the most frustrating <laughs> thing. Like I would Google and then there's like a squirrel 40 yards away that's dropping pine cones. And it sounds like a bull's just trotting through the woods coming straight for me. And then you wait and you're like, uh, okay, so where's this bull? And then you figure out that it's a squirrel. And for the rest of the trip, the dang squirrels are so loud. And then you get the elk that's like, a huge animal and they're quiet as can be. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, I, I, I was so impressed going in this year and seeing how they moved through the woods. It was just phenomenal. You know, there's yeah, three, it, we had three cows and two calves and they were like, I don't know. I would think maybe 30, 40 yards from us and, uh, had no idea they were there until we saw them moving. And we're like, oh, Jesus. It's yeah. It's a big animal. Well, it's, it's crazy too, that you think like, that's such a large animal to be in herds in the wild and you don't see them. That's the thing. Like, where are they? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah it's just, it's crazy. And the, the terrain they move through and, and then you'll, you'll hear elk that are really loud. They have no idea you're there and they're just tromping through the forest loud as can be. But when they want to be quiet, man, you can't even hear them. Yeah. It's something else. They're a ghost. Huh? The ghost. That, I mean, it almost feels like that. It, it's it's crazy. And you and the thing is, you'll hear them bugling or you'll hear a cow and you'll work in that direction and you get there and it's like, well, I know you should have been here. Where, where, where'd you go? And then they're behind yeah. you. Yeah, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. So, That's how I feel about black tail. That we call them the gray ghost up here yeah. because you never see them yeah, well, like, that name, i mean you do but that name sticks yeah. with them down here too because they're the same way yeah it's crazy that's what that that was this one he that was his first you know like i said his first wow. uh, big game animal was a black tail believe that or not oh that's yeah. super cool solid i mean a solid forky you know down here we yeah. don't they don't grow very big um, mm-hmm. i thought it was big it, well, <laughs> no it was i mean this was a legitimate nice deer like genetic wise he probably wasn't going to see more than forks um and he may have got a little bit bigger but he was a solid deer yeah Yeah. um so conservation what yes that's very very big for me um for both of us Mm -hmm. huge deal um i think there's misconceptions when we start talking about conservation and one of the things that we've learned talking to people is a lot of hunters um think that buying a tag um and paying an excise tax um that you know was implemented i don't know 40 50 years ago is enough um what's your thoughts on conservation and how that stuff plays in are we doing enough should we be doing more um i i mean i think we should be doing more um the cougar population in oregon is absolutely out of control we have 
elk with a hoof disease that keeps getting passed on um, to the point where they're like having a hard time walking. And so I think there's things, there's different ways that we need to be helping. Um, But purchasing a tag and a license is definitely a start and it helps. I would just say that there's more that we could each be doing. Um, And I know that there's people out there that try. I just think that um, the government, (laughs) the government limits what we can do, obviously. And I think there needs to be more research done into the true size of animal populations because we've seen a real decline in elk and deer and in the high cascades this year, we saw little sign of big game animals and a heck of a lot of cougar sign. And so that's when it becomes frustrating to me. Um, And especially since this, I just got a notification the other day from um, ODFW saying that the cougar quota in the Wilson unit and the Willamette, it was like zone A and something else has been filled. And I'm like, okay, wait, what? It got filled already because we have so many cougars that I'm not sure how that got filled. So I don't don't know. I think that we can be doing more, but I definitely think that purchasing a tag and license is a start. But I also think that not every hunter's goal is conservation. And I think that that's there's a gap there. And I think that's where we need to focus in more as an, as an industry is making the, is making the link between as a hunter, you're also a conservationist. There's a lot of hunters I know that don't even think about that. And that, you know, that's funny because we had this conversation last week and we were talking about that time span. So uh, you know, there's not, and like you said, there's not many opportunities. Um, I know like with uh, Sportsman Alliance, um, they have a deal on their website where you can go and see opportunities in your state. Well, you look at California and I've, you know, for years I'll look and look and, and there's very, very, very little uh, if so, they're up north. Yeah, that gets us out actually helping to be boots on the ground. You know, spreading that, spreading the word just isn't enough. I mean, it helps, but yeah, it's so difficult. Well, that's the thing too, is licenses and tags are expensive. And I mean, hunting in general is expensive. So when it just is like, oh, you can help by donating or help by doing this. It's like, no, I want to actually go out and help. Like I can donate my time, but I don't always have the Money. money to donate. Right. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, that's hugely important. Hugely. Um, so what else do we have? What else do you have coming up? How's 2019? Well, you kind of touched on that, but you have the at home hunts planned already, or you guys are already chopping at it and looking at what you're going to do. Um, I think Tyler's got a few other things in mind. I think he's hoping he's going to draw his antelope tag. I am just going to hunt general season. I might put in for spring bear, um, we hunted spring bear two years ago. Um, so I might try to do that again. And then I don't know. I I'm going to try to get to the, um, shoot on hoodoo this year. I know you made it last year. Yeah. Thinking about it this year, I had a blast last year. Some of the nicest people I've met were, were in Oregon at that shoot. I mean, it was just, it was a blast. We had so much fun. Well, I skipped. I yeah. I know that, that there's several of those through like, um, Oregon, Washington, and there's another state that one's in, but I would love to get more involved in that side of archery and 
um, meet some of those people that do all, I know there's a ton of different groups and I know actually built to hunt is planning on doing some of those, but I would love to get, get to that one, at least a hoodoo. Yeah. Hoodoo was, it was so much fun. Oh, the, the pure elevation course, uh, was a bit of an ass kicker, but yeah, especially coming from, I think we're 17 foot above sea level <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and then flying up there and jumping right on the mountain. Mm-hmm. So built to hunt, yeah. um, since you brought them up, what's your connection to built to hunt? Um, I know you, I read an article, um, that mm-hmm. you wrote on there it was a, was a good informative. Am I ready to, am I ready for this article? You want to give us some background? Yeah. Yeah, so um, Jeff from Built to Hunt actually reached out to me, seeing if I had any blogs or articles that I'd like to write for their site. They um, sell different, more targeted um, to the outdoor industry supplements like Mountain Ops. There's like Wilderness Athlete, um, Bucked Up. There's a bunch of different ones on there. Um, so they sell supplements more towards the outdoor industry. And then they also have training programs, nutrition guides. They have a whole, um, basically a bunch of resources for anyone looking to get into hunting or fitness, um, tons of blogs and articles of personal experiences. And then they also sell some pretty cool gear on there as well. And I'm actually a built hunt ambassador. So it started out with me writing that article, um, titled, are you fit to hunt? basically linking the connection between hunting and fitness. So you prepare like you prepare all your um, equipment, you prepare food, you, you prepare everything you need for camp, but people forget to prepare their bodies. And that is a huge thing to me. I'm like, you, I think you see it more in rifle hunters. um, But you see these people that are so out of shape and they just, they go on their hunt once a year and that's all they do. And you're really, you're really putting a lot on your heart and not to mention hunting is dangerous the way it is. The wilderness is dangerous. You're out in the mountains, the weather, you don't know the terrain. There's so many things that could go wrong and you really, you need to be able to rely on your body. And so that was a big thing to me is like, why are why are you not preparing your body for such a dangerous sport the way it is? Any tie to the physical preparation and ethics and the physical preparation and the mental preparedness for what you are going to do in the field? Uh, things that go bump in the night, packing that animal out. What, what kind of mental prep uh, goes along with all that? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I think you're more mentally prepared if you're more physically prepared. Um, I think those go hand in hand, at least if you're physically preparing, you've thought about it. Um, but I have always been very mentally strong. So it's like, you know, if I really put my mind to it, regardless, I can do something and you can push your body a lot further than your mind thinks that it can. Um, your mind is what stops you. And I just, I've seen people not go after animals because they're like, oh, that pack out is going to really suck or that's just too far or, you know what I mean? And I never want to be that person. It's like, oh, I don't want to shoot that animal because that pack out's going to suck or I'm not going to go after it because it's going to be a heck of a hike to get over there and it might not be there. 
And I never wanted to be in that situation. Um, and so that's, that's part of the reason I prepare my body. And just because you're less likely to get injured, less likely to have something happen to you, um, both if you're mentally and physically prepared. Yeah. Getting, uh, well, we don't, yeah, I don't, we have some hard hunts here. I don't know if it's like anything up there, well, but it gets I, difficult. My deer hunt was pretty difficult. Yeah, but not like <laughs> that. That's a soft slope when you start looking at, you know, in terms of comparison to Oregon. Yeah, you'll, I guess. You'll learn this year Never at Never been to Oregon, so. Yeah, you'll learn this year at Hoodoo. It's, it's a big difference. I mean, even, even that, you know, you're talking, that's what, 6,000 feet? Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. Six, slope, you're talking 25% grade. You get out there and you're eight, nine, ten thousand feet, 60% grades, and you know, it's it's a it's night and day. Um, so why don't we wrap it up? Um, let everybody know where they can get a hold of you. Um, if yeah. you're looking for people to get a hold of you, social media and otherwise. Yeah, um, both Facebook and Instagram. You can find me at Maddie Andreessen. Um, Tyler's also on there as well. He has a pretty cool page. And then True Terrain Outdoors is our Instagram. Um, I will be I will be working on that soon. That's serious. That's my 2019 goal is to get that going again and get on a consistent posting so that people people are up to date with what's going on in our lives and how we're preparing for upcoming hunts and on the day to day. Um, so that but yeah, I, true terrain is T R U. Yes. Okay. So T R U. Well, it's T R U E and then terrain. Okay. No underscore, nothing in there. Just true terrain. Mm-hmm. Let me look. I forget. That way they could follow you. I, I think that's going to turn out to be a pretty cool page when you guys put the energy into it and you get that, uh, you get that film where, pushing you on done <laughs> okay it's true e-r-u-e underscore terrain cool but um yeah i i encourage anyone who has questions or questions about health and fitness or hunting or how i'm how i'm preparing anything meal prep whatever it is to reach out i'm always willing to help anyone who's interested um but yeah cool well, we definitely appreciate the time you taking out of your day to sit down with us and talk for a little bit. Yeah, um, thank you. I appreciate it. We appreciate yeah, the way you represent you. yourself, your family and hunting. Um, and that's one of the reasons that we reached out to you. So thank you. Yeah. Tell dad and Wyatt um, you're coming for him. Tyler. Um, <laughs> yeah, we see you, man. Chop it up. You know, well, maybe we'll have to chop it up with Tyler at some point. Yeah. Get him on. He's yeah, definitely he his stuff down. Um, I know yeah. it looks like he's been out duck hunting the last, uh, last couple of weeks here. So maybe we can get with him. Um, yeah. we'll reach out and talk to him and see if we can't get him on. And then once you guys get yeah. that film going, um, and you're ready, uh, let me know. We'll get back on. We'll talk about that and, uh, give it a look. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks again for this opportunity. I had an awesome time talking with you guys. Thank you, Maddie. We appreciate you. it. Tell Blossom bye. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> If you want to catch up with Maddie, you can find her on Instagram at Maddie Andreessen and at true underscore terrain. And go check out her article on builttohunt.com. Thank you for listening. 
Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.